Welcome back, everybody, to Phone Booth Fighting. He is Frank Mir, the two-time UFC heavyweight champion of the world. I am Richard Hunter, the two-time funniest man in Reno turn, Sin City comedic juggernaut, and this is our twice-weekly podcast. We do it for you guys uh, via iTunes, via Stitcher, via SoundCloud, and officially now via Google Play, Frank. I was not aware that we were not streaming on uh, Google Play. Uh, I corrected that error this week, and now we are available on all four of those platforms as well as some other lesser-known ones out there as well. Uh, We are streaming live on Facebook tonight if you're following our live stream. So what's up to everybody out there? Uh, We're still kind of in our soft launch phase of that, so we're not really hyping it big that we're doing it every show. We may miss one every once in a while, but the plan is to uh, get these videos to where they're uh, embeddable and and presentable and all that sort of thing. So uh, if you're you're watching us live on Facebook tonight, you guys are... uh, the the uh, the focus group, if you will, the test audience. So uh, chime in with your comments out there and help us and let us know how it's going. All right, we got a big UFC 205 to talk about, Frank. Obviously, that's the lead story. We're going to be breaking down that down thoroughly, but we do want to talk for a second about the all new, brand new uh, PhoneBoothFighting.com. We relaunched the website this weekend, Frank, four days ago. And it is going gangbusters. Uh, if you have not checked out phoneboothfighting.com in the last uh, oh, handful of days, please uh, head there now and see what we've got uh, going on. You've seen it, Frank. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, looks nice. I'm very impressed with the, uh, the what we were able to get down. Um, was a little worried about some of the bugs, though, that, from putting our uh, podcast link onto it. Yes, I'll explain that here in just a second because it uh, the the one casualty of it was it it, it uh, temporarily screwed up the uh, the RSS feed if you speak uh, podcast jargon over the weekend, and so unfortunately, I think some people did not get our uh, our fight preview in time for the fight. So we apologize for that. But it's all straightened out now. I went through everything with uh, uh, Davey from Canada today, who's one of our listeners. This guy, I, I cannot credit him enough, Frank. This this is just one of our listeners, no different than anyone else who listens to this podcast. Had never met him or talked to him before. Uh, he bought a T-shirt through our Fund Anything campaign, but that was that was really all I knew of him. And he hit me up and he said, hey, I, I know you guys, your, your website is kind of bare bones. Uh, it's not... It's not really even what he does professionally, but he'd had some experience uh, designing a couple of websites, and he offered to help us out. And uh, awesome, did a great job. He did a fantastic job, and I, I he's doing it uh, uh, completely gratis. I offered to compensate him, and he said no. He just wanted to be able to contribute something to the show. So he's done this amazing job, and and not only in the design of it, but in all the follow up calls because he has gotten. Uh, countless numbers of Skype calls from me now and how do I text and how do I do this and I got to adjust that and all that sort of thing. So uh, uh, big... Didn't know what he was getting into. No, big <laughs> shout out and thank you to uh, loyal phone booth fighting listener, uh, Davey, who's uh, helping us out. And uh, he's going to keep helping us out. He's going to help us uh, maintain this thing. So phoneboothfighting.com, the all new phoneboothfighting.com. Go there, check it out. 
All of our latest news, all of our latest episodes are up there. All of our social media links and uh, our, our merchandise link, the link to the store where you can buy official phone booth fighting logo t-shirts and autographed posters. We have those now, the retro style fight posters. Uh, if you want us to sign those, we've got those uh, available. Now we're going to tell you about something very, very important before we get into breaking down UFC 205. And that is the Amazon click-through banner on our new phoneboothfighting.com website. Now, what this is, you go to phoneboothfighting.com, you're going to see an orange banner. It takes you to our Amazon link. So if you shop on Amazon, and at this point, who doesn't? If you go there, uh, you click that banner. It's going to take you to Amazon. From that point, everything else is just as it always is. Whatever you buy is not going to cost you anything extra. But we will get a small percentage back from Amazon for the referral. And right now, financially, that is the best way that you can uh, help us with the show. That and, and buying T-shirts. But a lot of you already have T-shirts. So until we come out with a new design, uh, that Amazon ba uh, click-through banner, and especially with Christmas coming, Frank, you know, Black Friday's around the corner and Cyber Monday, and everybody's got to do their Christmas shopping. If you're going to do that stuff on Amazon anyway. Is that a, a day, Cyber Monday? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> They've had that the last few years. It's the Monday after Black no Friday. Idea. You didn't know about that? I didn't. Yeah, you I'm just sure Mrs. Mirror does. Yeah, that's because you just pay the credit card bills. You don't you don't see the uh, the breakdowns. But no, that's a big deal. The the uh, the internet basically does all their drastic uh, discounts on uh, the Monday after Black Friday. So if you are going to do some Christmas shopping on Amazon, please uh, take the time to go to phoneboothfighting.com, click on that Amazon banner, click through to Amazon, and that's uh, how you can support the show, and it won't cost you any extra. And please pass the word along to everyone. We're pretty excited to have that banner up in time for the holiday season because um, that's that, – you know, we, we took the advice, Frank, of Adam Carolla. What did he tell us about that Amazon banner? Well, I remember because we sat there, we had him on, and uh, you had asked him about you – know, now that basically, I mean, called him the pod father and, and – Anything that he could pass to us that he had learned that he wished he had known, you know, earlier on at the beginning of his podcasting career, and he said that the Amazon uh, banner, the the whole situation. He goes, in fact, he had heard about it, you know, I think about a year before, and yeah. he kind of laughed it off, and he said that after they got that up and going, he's like, wow, uh, <laughs> we made a mistake. Yeah, I should have had this going, you know, months ago. He told us it was the one thing. If if he, I think what I said was. It, if there was one thing you would have done from the beginning, you know, what would it have been? And he said, I would have had that Amazon banner up there because he said, you know, your listeners are enthusiastic about the show. They want to do anything they can to support it. And not everybody can, you know, uh, afford a t-shirt package or whatever but uh uh people have to some people do their grocery shopping on yeah. amazon now i mean sometimes it's just people getting essentials it's getting to the point where i wonder how businesses are going to stay open oh totally no i think that's why a lot of businesses have moved from brick and mortar to uh to websites basically yeah. and you know amazon is kind of that that walmart of the internet i guess but uh you know i i shop there and it's uh, in fact a lot of our gear has come from Amazon. Our new light kit, if you're wondering why we look so much more handsome on the live stream than we did before, and who thought that was even going to be possible, uh, it was. I uh, got our light kit off Amazon. I got our Mevo camera off of Amazon, all thanks to uh, our, our Fund Anything contributors. So that's why the uh, the quality of the production is, is enhancing as well. And 
We did it all through Amazon. So anyway, phoneboothfighting.com, click on that Amazon banner, do your shopping at Amazon there, and uh, we'll get a little kickback with no extra cost to you guys. All right, UFC 205, Frank, already uh, confirmed by UFC President Dana White that this card, Saturday night, the UFC's debut in Madison Square Garden has broken every box office record the UFC had. Uh, 20,427 fans inside Madison Square Garden for a $17.7 million gate. That is the largest number in UFC history. It also broke the Madison Square Garden record as well, which was previously uh, held by Vander Holyfield and Lennox Lewis from their fight in 1999. Uh, the, the former uh, pay-per-view record holder was very recently UFC 202, another fight a card that Conor McGregor headlined, and although uh, the UFC has not released what those pay-per-view numbers are, uh, Dana White did confirm that this broke that record. Uh, the rumor is that uh, the number was 1.65 million buys. Amazing. It just shows that Conor is just, like I said, he's the superstar of the sport right now, and um He's just pushing boundaries farther and farther. I think he's our. <clears throat> I think for a little while there we had um, we had Brock, but I think Brock was a transplant. He was already kind of a superstar and brought over the the you know the pro wrestling fans over. But as far as a MMA made, not a crossover guy, um, star, no one's seen the likes of Connor. Um, he's the the biggest one ever. I mean, leaps and bounds. And and I know at first he's rubbing people the wrong way, and and some people maybe be upset and um, the way he talks. But you know, one thing I can say to the guys that are fighting, like you know, relax. The more he grows the sport, the bigger Connor gets. The rest of us get to get drug along with him. Yeah. And, you know, could, you know, some of the things he say might rub you the wrong way. Eh, you know, but it is going to increase everybody's overall pay because of their overall um, exposure the sport's going to receive is going to increase the more we have that star. Uh, the one way I can really help, you know, draw a real immediate uh, correlation is Ronda Rousey. What she did for female MMA um, – helped all the women in the sport not only just herself and connor obviously it's helping him but everybody else is getting dragged along too well let's uh let's talk about his performance inside the octagon and then we'll, we'll go back to the financial particulars of it because connor had some interesting comments in the the uh, post-fight press conference regarding his money connor mcgregor completely demolishes eddie alvarez eddie alvarez was was never in this fight Conor McGregor uh, TKOs Eddie Alvarez in the second round at the three-minute and four-second mark. Big John McCarthy calls a stop to the fight. Uh, I thought there was there was a couple of um, solid shots that Eddie Alvarez landed, but those couple of shots actually came as a trilogy, and when Eddie missed the third of those three, Conor made him pay for it, nearly knocked him down at that point. I mean, he was dropped – Four or five times, I think Eddie Alvarez was. Yeah, he just, you know, Connor has such a phenomenal straight left hand, and it's fast, and he doesn't throw, uh, he doesn't come at you when he throws it. A lot of guys lunge at you as they uh, throw the rear hand, you know, throw a cross. He throws it so much more, almost kind of like a, a karate guy, very, uh, very efficient and very quick, and just. Um, you know, the fact that he has a five-inch reach advantage over Alvarez. Um, I actually thought Alvarez would have fared a lot better in the fight. I thought they would have been more, you know, quickly prepared 
for that straight left hand and knowing that, okay, Connor has a great straight left hand and really a lead uppercut off the front side is his next punch that he catches a lot of guys with. And, uh, you know, the kicks, I think, pepper people and break them down, but they're not the devastating ending. And, um, you know, he came out there and lined up right with them. And and I don't know if it's, a, you know, what attributed to factor of uh, stage fright going out there in such a big event if he choked because he looked really bad or how much I really just attribute to maybe, you know, Connor is really a master of mental warfare. Uh, his antics are twofold. Not only do they garner a lot of attention from the media and everybody, you know, is able to, uh, you know, brings a lot of attention. Obviously you can see the numbers. There's no arguing that, right. you know, he's, uh, get the attention that he gets, but at the same time, um, it seems like it mesmerizes guys. Uh, we've seen it with Jose Aldo, who just completely looked taken out of his game. Um, Nate Diaz obviously wasn't affected by it too much. He was able to withstand that mental onslaught. Just, you know, different kind of mindset. Talking shit doesn't seem to affect him as much. It's kind of his world also. But uh, Eddie Alvarez, obviously, I mean, he looked off the minute the bell rang. He walked in there. So I, I think that he was also just completely taken out of his uh his comfort zone and where he felt like he could work. And I think that Connor really got into his head, you know, and obviously the straight left hand knocking him down right off the bat only confirmed any suspicions or any doubts he had in himself at that moment. And he looked awful. I mean, say, I mean, it wasn't like he looked even like he had a moment. He, even when he threw the punches, his legs were very straight when he threw the hooks, they had no power on them because he was leaping in. And eventually that was uh, his, uh, you know, ultimate undoing. It seemed like Connor, we already knew that he had the precision striking. We already knew that he had um, a great economical use of movement. That's another thing that I always see. It seems like his punches take about the least amount of distance from point A to point B to travel that they possibly could. Uh, and he's got speed. I think what we don't always know until we see the opponent face off against him is how much of a disadvantage that's going to be for the opponent. Okay, so let's say Connor's going to be faster. How much faster? And we kind of don't know until we see him. Now, we talked last week about the fact that Eddie does get hit a lot, you know. Um, but also, I thought, you know, I thought Connor, I thought Connor looked bigger. I thought he looked rangier, bigger, you know. Another thing I don't think people talk enough about is how, imp like, I'm curious how he cuts weight. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, he walked in there against the 55-pound champion, and he's the 45-pound champ, and he was the bigger guy. Yeah. Um, what chance do the guys in the featherweight class have against someone that much bigger than they are? I mean, if the guy walks in there against lightweights and he's that much, you know, longer and, and, and just fuller than they are, you know, that that really actually struck me. Like when I watched them two stand together, I'm like, I didn't realize. I know he was taller, but just overall, just his legs, his shoulders. He looked he was broader. Just, he was just a bigger man. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this looks like, it looks like Alvarez. If right now, if nobody knew and you watch these two guys walk in the octagon, I'm like, yeah, the guy's moving up in weight class. Yeah. You would have thought it was Alvarez had moved up. Yeah, you would have. Um, it, was, uh, it was just a completely one-sided fight. And uh, a very impressive performance. Conor McGregor now becomes the first person in UFC history to ever simultaneously hold two belts in one division. Uh, it's, it's basically what Dan Henderson did over in, uh, in, in Pride uh, back in the old days, but, but certainly not on this big of a stage. Now Conor McGregor has that 145-pound title that he's yet to defend. He's got this uh, lightweight title. And he says in the post-fight press conference – 
that he wa- we found out what his big announcement was. First of all, turns out his girlfriend's pregnant, so congratulations to them. Secondly, though, and what seemed to be kind of the bigger announcement in Conor McGregor's mind <laughs> um, is that he wants ownership. He said, give me a stake in this company at this point. Uh, profit sharing, if you will. Nobody has that deal in the UFC. Um, could the UFC, especially the new ownership of the UFC, Frank, consider making him some some form of a minority partner? I think that they would be very inclined to do so. Um, right now, he's the biggest driving force in the UFC as far as selling tickets and selling pay-per-views. Um, how do you argue against him not? And and having somebody like him, even after he retires from fighting, being a part of the sport, being part of the organization, uh, as far as his ability to promote and, and his his charisma and everything else he brings to the table, why you know what other you know there are other we've seen other celebrities that are minority holders in the in the UFC now. Um, who's more relevant to be that person more than him? Yeah. Uh, by the way, on uh, fa- on our Facebook live stream. Got to uh, give a shout out to Martin. He says uh, Glasgow, Scotland is in the house again. So uh, thanks for being up early or late with us, Martin, whichever the case may be uh, over there. You were just mentioning, Frank, that, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey is what she was able to do for female MMA uh, in comparison to Connor. And uh, Carrie says on our uh, Facebook live stream, I think Rousey got paid. But as far as all females, I don't think UFC has paid nearly as much. As Ronda, I feel awesome veteran fighters got robbed like Misha Tate. We'll talk about Misha in a second because she made an unexpected yeah. uh, retirement announcement. And yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, it's it's, uh, but that's always going to be the case. I mean, there are, there are old uh, male veteran fighters that unfortunately were just a little ahead of their time and didn't get in on uh, on yeah. the big paydays. So well, that's there's a lot just of female fighters out there that they never got to fight in the UFC to begin with. Yeah, their careers they retired. I mean. You think of like a Julie Kenzie, who yeah. basically was at the end of her career when the opportunity to actually fight in the UFC yeah. uh, ever uh, unfolded. And so, no, the girls aren't getting paid what, you know, obviously what Ronda Rousey gets paid. But again, it's, well, you know, if, if T-Mobile calls up the UFC, who do you think, you know, obviously, who are they asking to put on their, you know, uh, marketing campaign? Um, and that that weighs into how you get paid. Um, the more people that are interested in you and their name is on their tongue, then you know, that's, that's, that's how you get paid. Uh, I think a lot of people sometimes equate it to being a good fighter. And that obviously is very important, but you know, Conor McGregor set all those records in UFC 202. He just got choked out in the fight before that, Mm -hmm. um, by uh, Nate Diaz. And so no one really saw that coming and it still didn't hurt his selling power. That's an impressive point to me because it was kind of like, in fact, I was I was asked this on uh, the uh, the the CBS Sports Dallas affiliate uh, that I do uh, that I cover uh, MMA for this this weekend. I called into their uh, their Saturday show with Mike Dingus and uh, Jesse Holly, former Dallas Cowboy. And Jesse was asking me that. He said, "You know what happens if Connor loses? Is the hype train done?" And no. I said, "No, we've seen because him lose. We see we've seen it. The that that hype only starts to subside." Once he not only loses, but maybe loses in a lighter weight class and maybe loses not once, but a couple of times and maybe starts to slide a little bit right now. And this is the beautiful part of MMA. This is what I've always loved about the UFC over boxing is that the matchups, especially the title fights, are 
all legit. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. look at a situation and go, oh, no, but that, that person doesn't have any business being in there. You know, right. and, and, of course, in boxing, uh, that, that happens uh, pretty regularly. Well, Conor McGregor is now uh, asking for this stake, and, uh, you know, plenty of companies have profit sharing, I guess. But do you think, Frank, that the uh, he will benefit making this demand with the new ownership compared to the old ownership? And I'll tell you why I'm asking that question, because this uh, the new uh, IMG uh, uh, WEG... Guy, am I getting all the letters in there correct? Uh, <laughs> that alphabet. Uh, you know, they're used to dealing with with top A-list talent in Hollywood and things like that, people that, that do make big demands. Um, the old guard, the Fertitta brothers, as successful as they got with the UFC, it was still a family-run business. Yeah. And it feels like that old guard still had a maybe a vibe about, hey, listen, we may have gotten big, but this is the way we've always done things. Right. Don't be asking us to change that up. Do you think Connor will benefit mm-hmm. asking these new guys for this as opposed no, to the old absolutely. ones? I think that before, you know... Uh, you know, uh, the Fatitas ran it more of a mom-and-pop type of organization. Yeah. Um, and you can see that in, even in their other v- business ventures with the station casinos and whatnot. And, you know, relatives and friends of friends are always in the positions of working. And and whereas with, you know, with, with the new uh, owners, with Ari and them, I see them as much more uh, open to the possibilities of opening up those doors to allow him to be part of it and, and giving them have a piece of the UFC. Yeah. Well, uh, Conor McGregor did everything he said he was going to do and uh, got the belt kid on the way now, so we'll see if that uh, provides any distractions for the the coming year. But he's got uh, now not one but two divisions to represent, and he's saying right now he's going to stay the busiest guy in the UFC, and he's going to defend both of those uh, belts in both divisions. So um, big, uh, big things in 2017 to look forward to. From Conor McGregor in the co-main event, Tyron Woodley retains his welterweight title over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in a fight that you and myself and Ken Bolke from uh, CBS Sports Las Vegas, who was kind enough to invite us to live blog with him on the CBS Sports website. Hopefully, you guys got a chance to check that out Saturday night. What we were doing, all three of us agreed that Tyron Woodley had won that fight. I'm sorry that Stephen Thompson had won that fight. Uh, 49-46. What uh, the judges said... 48-47, I think we had. I'm sorry. Yes, 48-47. Three rounds to two. Uh, if my math is off, I was not alone because the judges' math was apparently off as oh, well. Or whoever, whoever was tabulating. Uh, so, so what happened on the scorecard Saturday night was uh, it was a majority draw. Now, that means that the, the title is retained by the champion. So Tyron Woodley stays the welterweight champion. One judge had it scored 48-47, like you and myself and Ken did. The other two scored it a 47-47 draw. Now, that means that there was a 10-8 round given to Woodley by each of those judges. We thought that if you were, even though we disagreed that it was a 10-8 round, if you were going to argue that there was a 10-8 round in that fight, it was the fourth, right? It was where yes. Stephen Thompson looked like he was just dead in the water. I mean, he really did look close to being finished. I think, Frank, before we move on to the confusion, you uh, articulated and, and, and I agreed that what saved can't have a guy on the losing end of a 10-8 round who 
wins the last 45 seconds of a round. Is that fair? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he basically, um, obviously, it wasn't enough to turn the round away, uh, the round uh, yeah. around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for uh, Thompson, he loses the fourth round. I don't think anybody in their right mind would give him the fourth round. Right. But as far as making it 10 8, I'm not against it being a 10 8. That is not controversial to me. I can see an argument made for it. I'm like, well, you know, he almost knocked him out. He almost choked him out. Um, but the fact that he escaped, got out, was on top, landing shots. Doing damage, doing right. Doing damage. Right. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, Woodley's in trouble. Right. You can't give a guy a 10-8 round if you're going, oh, he's in trouble. No, you know, I, I completely you know, So agree. I think that even to back up, I still think he won the round. Mm -hmm. And I think most people agree with that and thought that because, I mean, even uh, Dana White himself, you know, asked, well, what did he think was going on in the fight? He goes, well, I had it even going into the fifth, which means I think Dana and everybody else kind of scored it the way we did. I gave the yeah. first round to uh, Woodley. I right. gave round two and three to Thompson because Woodley really didn't do anything and was just could not figure out how to get in on, uh, on, on Wonder Boy, and Wonder Boy was just picking him apart. And uh, and then in the fourth round, obviously, Woodley wins that round. And then, you know, again, I can argue whether it's 10-8, 10-9, but, but Woodley won the round. And the fifth round, you know, Tyrone, uh, you know, was extremely fatigued from his exertion that he tried to, you know, take his head off with the uh, choke. And, um, you know, I think Wonderboy wins the, wins the fifth round. So as far as a 10-point must system and round by round, he wins three of the two uh, five rounds. And so the fact that the one judge, that's the one thing I really had a problem with in the fight. I wasn't upset when they said the first judge called it a draw. Wasn't upset when the second judge called it a draw. When the third judge went, okay, now I'm calling this 47, 48, you know, and I'm like, all right, well, Thompson pulled off, you know, they yeah. didn't give him the, they didn't make that a 10, 9, uh, or 10, 8 round. But when they called Woodley's name, I'm like, well, that means he won three rounds. Okay, besides one and four, what round did they give mm -hmm. him? In mm -hmm. fact, I, I keep telling that today when I was training with James in the morning, we talked about it. I'm like, have you gone back and watched it? Because the one judge gave him the third round. My memory serves me correctly. I don't think he won the third round. He didn't get a takedown. He got outstruck. Um, you know, the, he was being stalked down and backing up against the cage the whole time. How do you, you know, I, I, that, this is one of those times where I wish the judge, I'm like, hey, let's put the fight on. You put that round on. I won't even argue about any other aspect. Explain to me how you gave Woodley the third round. I mean, yeah. I just, you know, just so we know as fighters, like what you guys are scoring for. Yeah. Well, didn't one of the judges uh, score the, uh, I'm looking at the card right now. Um, one of the judges, his 10-8 round was, was the, the first, first round. That's the one that confused me. That was um, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty easy ten eight round that you're trying to give away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Woodley got the takedown, and I think it really didn't do much as far as damage until the last fifteen seconds of the round was able to actually land a couple shots. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, Wonder Boy was able to nullify most of his offense on the ground. Um, uh, that would have been. I mean, if that judge had been scoring Dan Henderson's fights, he'd have mm -hmm. gave every round that Dan knocked down Bisbing yeah. a ten eight round. Because uh, if if that's as easy as it takes to get a ten eight round now, um, you know, judges are usually a lot more stingy about doing that, um, for right or for wrong. But that was a very to give him the first round. I'm like, wow. Okay, well then, definitely if you thought the first round was ten eight, 
then you think the fourth round's 10-8, right? No. Yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm done trying to figure it out, guys. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it That was confusing because, uh, you know, for, for me, 10-8 round has two things. Number one, at some point, if you're losing a 10-8 round, at some point you look like you were – finished you know any any second it's Saved called by the it's bell called. that's yeah, kind of my quick i, I was just saying totally. basically if the bell hadn't wrong another 30 seconds you were you were done and, and it pretty much looked that way the whole fight too i don't want to just see you get rocked with 30 seconds right. left and you survive so i want to see domination uh throughout the round and then you can't like i said reverse that tide in the no. last 40 seconds i mean be on if you survive it let's say you know let's say thompson had pulled out of that guillotine mm -hmm. but then you know ended up on bottom again and just closed his guard and held on for the end of the round right and woodley couldn't finish him well then yeah that's obviously a 10-8 round the only reason why i think that it makes it kind of interesting is because it's like well you knocked me down but then you know i get back up and now i have you against the ropes and you're you know covered up and now the referee's looking at you yeah you know i think i stole it back it, it may be not enough in the last 30 seconds for Woodley to lose the round, but maybe to steal away the 10-8, you know, uh, uh, system for him. But to give him the first round 10-8, I'm like, what did you see that I didn't see? Yeah, you know? And, then, was, and again, the, the third round, really, I guess that baffles me the most is, you know, anybody watching, you tell me, like, why would you give him, you know, why did Tyrone win the third round? Yeah. Now here was the other weird thing that happened. So Woodley has announced the uh, the 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 winner. Now at first, it, or it's a majority draw, but at first Woodley has announced the winner of the fight. And the way this thing happened, Bruce Buffer comes in, ladies and gentlemen, we have a dis and you hear him stop mid sentence, and they're motioning him over to come out of the cage, and he comes out of the cage, and there's something going on over there. It took him a long time to add up the scores to begin with. Then I guess they gave him a different card. He comes back in and says, reads the scores and says, for the winner, Tyron Woodley. Then Joe Rogan starts the interview with Tyron Woodley. It was a Steve Harvey moment. In oh, it was, boy. <laughs> it was totally a Steve Harvey moment. And they called Woodley looked like he was going to run away with the No! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My belt. Yeah. And they call, they call uh, Bruce Buffer outside the octagon, and uh, he – he comes back in now the, to, to Bruce's credit, even the correction he sells with charisma. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, we have a correction. Yeah. I'll and, uh, yeah. And so he reads the same score, but announces it a majority draw, which was the correct decision. And then the champion retains the title. I, I'm going to be interested to hear if he hasn't already addressed it. I'm going to be interested to hear what uh, Bruce has to say about how that whole thing happened because i don't think that's a bruce mistake no i think they gave it to him and he's probably like are you sure you want me to read that and they insisted that he read it that way the first time no i agree i think that's what he, uh, in fact i don't know if he got waved out did you see that because i thought he just walked out okay maybe that was it yeah uh, i thought it looked like he was trying to make sure like look this isn't right that's i mean a, yeah obviously bruce has read his share of uh yeah fight uh ending uh you know announcements and and for who's gonna win and I think he was just confused the rest of us, and and uh, I think that that you're right. They just they, they, they forced it, which is weird because it's not like it's not a boxing state. They've done you know those judges understand how that works, yeah. right? Like you know in boxing, that's more common than it is in MMA to have you know a, a majority uh, draw. Yeah.
Hans uh, from Sweden is uh, streaming us live on the Phone Book Fighting Facebook page right now. He says uh, it's strange that uh, it was a 10 8 uh, in different rounds and just happy Adelaide Bird didn't score the fight. Yeah. I, uh, there's she nothing, was there in spirit. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. Uh, I, I Anybody on press row can tell you, Hans, that I have been known to issue an Adelaide Bird warning. There's a watch and a warning. A watch is when she is judging the fight. I mean, that's just conditions are right for turmoil. But sometimes I sense it. And uh, I don't know how to – it's kind of like your old uh, grandpa when his uh, arthritic knee would act up when it was about to rain. Somehow when I'm that close on press row, I can start to sense an Adelaide bird uh, controversy, and I will issue – any of the guys – Did you sense this coming? Uh, no, I thought no, it for sure was one. in the bag. No, but she wasn't on the she yeah. wasn't on the card. No, I'm just saying he referenced Adelaide Burry. John Morgan can tell you. I will I will announce on Media Row, guys. I, I'm I'm issuing an Adelaide Bird warning in this decision, <laughs> and I've been right uh, more than more than once. Well, you know, you brought up an interesting point about this uh, uh, about this fight, and uh, you said what about the 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 looks on the faces of Stephen Thompson versus Tyron Woodley after this fight. What'd you say? Well, I, you know, another, I think, a quick assessment on who was winning the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had said that on our little CBS uh, blogging we were doing, that if they came in there and let's say, like, well, you know, it's confusing, we're just going to do a sixth round. Yeah. Um, who do you think would have taken that sixth round? I think Wonderboy would have walked back in and just said, all right, let's go. Yeah. I think Tyrone Woodley would have been looking for every reason to get out of that cage. I mm-hmm. think he realized that, you know, he was spent and he was, you know, he really, even in their rematch, I'm pulling for Tyrone Woodley. I mean, as far as not pulling, but as far as if you say, who do you think's going to win? I'm like, yeah. I thought that, you know, uh, Tyrone's athleticism and explosion would have closed the gap a little bit more. But I mean, Wonderboy put his hands down, sat there, and then now we've seen that he has taken a really hard shot and he still couldn't get put away and survived a guillotine, not even really completely the right way. It wasn't like he had his hips up and pressure down with the shoulders. He was gurgling and with his hands on, you know, he was down on his knees still, and and that's not the proper defense for a guillotine and a closed guard. He should have put a lot more forward pressure and tripod it up. And that being said, I mean, Woodley could not put him away. Uh, And it seemed like that he just didn't have an answer. I mean, the only reason why he got the takedown in the first round was he caught a kick from, uh, uh, you know, uh, Thompson early on. Yeah. Uh, Other than that... Took advantage uh, of a mistake. He really as far as secured takedowns did he he didn't have a single takedown that wasn't off of a mistake or a slip from wonderboy so if you're in wood you know woodley's corner that's not a very promising rematch it's like no. wow you know i mean and- we caught him once in 25 minutes we landed one solid punch still couldn't put him away and didn't choke him and we landed really one takedown and that's because we were able to grab his leg and, and and finally get him down and we couldn't do that we did it in the first two minutes of the fight and still couldn't do it in 23 minutes more um everything Wonderboy wanted to do he pretty much was doing and I think getting timing and had a lot more respect for the takedown than probably he might have in the next fight well and I think explosion is the operative word because Tyron Woodley is the he is the definition of explosiveness but what what is it that we know about an explosion a bomb only goes off once so once it explodes you know, it's either the bomb did its job and wreaked havoc or 
it didn't, and in the aftermath, somebody may still be standing. And yeah. in this explosion, that was Stephen Thompson. So you're right. I mean, it's like going into a rematch. Tyron Willie's going to bring that same explosion. Maybe it's enough to finish Stephen Thompson this time. But if it's not, he needs to have some different striking coaches. Yeah. Uh, whatever game plan he had going into this, and it's not taken away from Rufus, who is an excellent kickboxing coach. I mean, yeah. we've seen what Pettis is able to do on his feet throughout the years in the UFC and WEC, and and other guys coming out of that camp. But as far as what worked for Woodley, um, sparring with Sage Northcutt didn't cut it. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, uh, he just, I mean, for the most part, he just looked bewildered and very tentative of ever coming forward and being aggressive and trying to close the distance. He walked against, I mean, every round kind of looked like, you know, the, the ones that, uh, you know, besides one and four, basically Woodley just backed up against the cage, had no real, you know, every once in a while would throw a shot. You know, Wonder Boy easily just evaded it just through distance and footwork. Uh, hands down, never even had to block anything and just would pepper him, you know, with jabs and, and crosses and, you know, set up punch combinations, going to the body and kicks. And, and really, um, it, it really looked like uh, it just looked like, you know, if I'm Woodley, I would also be asking to fight Conor McGregor and hopefully put Thompson back at the back of the bus so that, you know, because it's not a very promising for a rematch that Woodley, you know, he does have power and explosion. And maybe the next time he does finally put, you know, him down. But now it's like, man, I, the guy also, not only is he a fast, elusive striker who was also a very good athlete, mm -hmm. the guy does backflips and all kinds of crazy aerial type maneuvers. Um, he just doesn't have the same build that Woodley has. And, and on top of that, you know, he's this elusive, phenomenal striker who has a granite chin, too. I mean, Robbie Lawler has one hell of a chin. He got caught with the same punch, and it put him down. He couldn't recover. Not only did uh, Thompson recover from the strike, but was recovering so well that it Instead of Tyrone continually to try to ground and pound, he felt his best option at that moment was like, man, this guy, he's in there. He knows it better than the rest of us. He can feel his opponent coming to life going, man, he's recovering. He's not going to go to sleep from strikes. Yeah. Um, I better go for something else. And so he you know, jumped on that guillotine and pulled guard. He squeezed with everything he possibly has. And um, Wonder Boy was still there. And not only was he still there, but it wasn't like he recovered in the next round. Before the end of the round, the guy recovered and was banging him back and, and beating him up from on top against the cage and the guard. Wow, that's you know that's very disheartening. And that you know, like I said, if 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 uh, Tyrone Woodley wants to be successful in their rematch, he has to figure out some other way to deal with the karate striking of of Wonderboy Thompson and whatever game plan that they thought was going to work in this one I will hands down stand by that statement that it did not work mm -hmm. it did not work you the only thing that worked for you was your explosion that you're able to catch the one kick and take him down that you know that worked you took advantage of a scramble and, and won the scramble but as far as strategic game plan um, when both guys were doing what they wanted to do Thompson was winning in the feature bout uh, Yoel Romero defeated Chris Weidman via flying knee 24 seconds into the third round and this was a real reversal of fortune in this fight because uh, I thought Chris White you know going into this you had this fight down as a toss-up yeah I, I didn't know who won this one. right and I get that um you know for Weidman this was his first fight back since the defeat to Luke Rockholt losing Next his surgery. belt to him yeah having the surgery I, I really didn't know what we would see in right. coming back from such adversity the first thing that I noticed was that not only was Weidman looking good 
good in winning the fight, in my opinion. He was not afraid to challenge Yoel Romero on his world-class elite wrestling. No, and was doing very well. Yeah. Um, I, I had it two rounds to nothing. I mean, and I, I like I. Yoel, and I think he's, you know, obviously a, a great middleweight. But, uh, you know, it was uh, – Wyden was pitching a shutout. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't see – at that moment, I was like, man, you know, he's just completely dominated Yoel. And, uh, you know, Romero – exploded with that flying knee right at the moment that it looked like Chris was going to jump down for another uh, single, and he just, I mean, it crushed him, a crushing blow um, that uh, landed on him. Uh, you know, and, and I feel bad for Weidman, and, you know, great for Yul that was able to still stay that explosive that late in the fight. Um, you know, I think that any of his future opponents are going to have to remember that. That's like, you know, this guy, you know, you might be winning, and one movement this guy can turn it around, so he's going to be dangerous until you put him away. Yeah, because, you know, one of the knocks on on, on Romero has been that he could slow down after you know midway through the fight and he obviously still had enough in him to land that knee and the the crack of that knee I knew something was wrong in the the sound that Chris Weidman made I mean you don't often hear fighters audibly make a a, a groan or a yell or a something and, and and Weidman made some kind of unnatural noise there next thing you know blood's pouring out of his head He's he's stunned and and uh, and out, not defending himself, and and fights over. I haven't heard the. Did, did you hear if Weidman? I mean, what that injury was? No, I, mean, I was actually like that could have been an orbital maybe, yeah, problem. Or well, something. It's, didn't we hear a couple? It's only been a couple months since uh, what was it Cyborg? Was it over there? And uh, was that's it right. overseas? He got his skull fracture. Yeah, I had a, yeah. And I was I was hoping that that didn't happen to Weidman. Yeah, but I would not be surprised because I mean, Yol is obviously. Uh, about as powerful as you can get at middleweight um and so he took a pretty powerful blow and and um again you know uh, i don't know how much it hurts weidman because honestly i think everybody besides that one second of that last oh no he looked good he looked awesome yeah striking he was out striking him combinations and footwork i mean and takes down an olympic uh level uh, uh wrestler world champion and, and puts him down and over and over again kept taking shots and had him endangered and going for the leg and and i was i was very impressed with weidman i thought it was a great showing uh, of his abilities and i still think he's a huge threat in the middleweight division uh while i'm looking up uh, any injury update on chris weidman here your thoughts on misha tate announcing her retirement she loses a three-round one-sided decision to raquel pennington and I think surprised everybody uh, by announcing her retirement at 30 years of age. I think she's burnt out. I think you saw that in the fight itself. She looked flat the whole mm-hmm. time we're watching. I mean, when they first squared up, there was a difference between uh, uh, Raquel Pennington. Yeah, Raquel yeah. Pennington's Raquel's jab and Misha. You know, they just go out there and exchange punches, and just the way that Misha was moving was just. I've seen that. I've been there. I felt that. We're just like, look, you've trained too much. You trained too hard probably for too long, and your body just needs a rest. And and, and it not, it's not a thing of mental strength because I don't care who you are. If you fatigue someone enough and, and really you know break their body down long enough, mm-hmm. uh, the mind will eventually go. It follows um, you know, it's, to protect itself. It's almost like a shutdown. Her nervous system just did not look like it was firing very hard. And, and uh, for the fact that she you know, announced the retirement, I think it's also not only – how her physical performance was on how she felt so flat 
that I think that that just it weared into her, you know, it seeped into her brain, her mind. And so I think that maybe after a couple of weeks, maybe months, you know, if she just kind of, you know, she can go to the gym, but just some light training, having fun and, and seeing martial arts as something that she loves again and not a job. Yeah. Um, I would not be surprised if we see a little bit of a, a turnaround in what she thinks yeah you know maybe a little bit of a second thought because i mean she's still i mean she just was the world champ two fights ago uh you know and fought hard back to win that in a very hard fought uh, fight against holly holmes um and showed a lot of tenacious a lot of aggression and you just wonder how much i mean that was a hard fight then obviously her her title defense was an extremely tough fight um that she came out off of and you know maybe she should have taken a lot more time off i think fighters sometimes underestimate rest and recovery and it's not just a, a physical thing but it's mental too you know take some time off man you know, pick up a different sport, stay active, you know, shoot the ball around if you want. But, uh, you know, get back get to where you want to be in the gym, not to where it's like, ah, tomorrow yeah. I got to be here. Tomorrow I got to be there. When you start talking like that too much, uh, it's, it's a sign. And people around you, you know, for your own betterment uh, should be able to, you know, have the authority and, and, and should try their best to pull the cord on you and, and shut you down. And I think that if she takes that time off, you know, I, I I don't know if if retirement really is you know a permanent thing for her. I went through a similar thing, uh, second guessing myself uh, after Naga earlier this year. You know, I came up short of the gold <laughs> and uh, took the silver. And I, uh, for those who were there in attendance uh, or bought the pay per view, I announced my retirement in the heat of the moment. You know, and I I acknowledged that uh, it was time to maybe spend some more time with my wife and kids, you know, who, as you know, Frank, as a family man, really sacrifice more than anyone uh, in the time that we're away. But in the year this past, and you know this privately, Frank, because we've been training, and I will announce this formally, uh, we haven't really uh, made it public, but uh, come next February here in Las Vegas, I'm back. Nice. Yeah, and your switch to your point, Misha Tate could possibly right. well, and find I think another reason same, why too, she's spot. probably so burnt yeah. out. She deals in a situation that a lot of other professional fighters, myself included, don't really deal with. When I need time off from the gym, I get to get away from the gym. Um, she's really not in that situation. Her boyfriend is a top ten, you know, uh, yeah. uh, uh, bantamweight. Yeah, you know, Brian Caraway. So when she's done fighting, or when she's not in the gym, she's still in the gym. Yeah, it <laughs> is truly the family business. So now she follows her boyfriend. He's in the gym. He's training. He's working on things. So when does she get to have that kind of mental break to just sit there and, you know, and go bake cupcakes for a month and just chill right. out, you know, and, and just really get back the hunger to go compete. Um, and so I really think that's what we really, that's what I saw after the first round. I'm like, man, she is just flat. Yeah. She has no, 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 no pop in her. She has no spunk. There's just, you can see that's just somebody who's just burnt out. The uh, feature bout on the prelims was Frankie Edgar winning a three-round unanimous decision over Jeremy Stevens. Looking really good in this fight and an important win for Frankie Edgar to stay right at the top of that, uh, oh. that featherweight title picture. And, and, and real quick before yeah. we continue on, I don't want to take anything away from Raquel Pennington. Raquel did oh, everything right. she was yeah, supposed no, to do. Yeah. She had a great jab. Great head movement as far as when Misha would throw something. She pulled back one or two inches, let the strike uh, pull back, and fired back. Great with a hard jab. Um, you know, drove in on a hard uh, – uh, that, that guillotine attempt that she had, mm -hmm. you know, was ferocious. So I'm not taking nothing away from Raquel. Yeah. I just – 
think that it could have been more competitive if Misha had been a little bit more fresh. I don't know if the outcome would have been different because Raquel looked really great in the fight. Um, you know, she was tenacious and she definitely had some motivations and fire under her. Well, Frankie maintains his uh, uh, spot right there at the top of the featherweight division. And uh, just one other fight that I want to make sure we talk about in a little bit of detail uh, be, uh, before we, uh, we conclude tonight. We're on a little bit of a time crunch is, is uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Michael Johnson. Now, I know Frank was traveling. You were up at, uh, at Washington State for the big uh, – mm -hmm. uh, I actually went back and watched it. Okay, you've so seen I it. I have seen it. Okay. I watched all the fights. I went this, back. Okay, this fight to me, I mean, Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, a couple of years back was ragdolling everybody in the division. And I think with all that time that passes, there's a little bit of a question, even though he's fought since, there's still a little bit of a question, okay, is it the same guy? Is it the same dominance? And uh, he submits Michael Johnson via Kimura halfway through the third round. But Michael Johnson had no answer for Nurmagomedov on the ground with the grappling. And I was so impressed with what Nurmagomedov was able to do. I always think two, two of the positions that are not um, – they're not always – finishing position kind of depending on what you do with them but that are just very very difficult to make any uh, adjustment with uh Nurmagomedov used uh to to perfection one was the crucifix and two was triangling the legs when you have somebody against the cage if you've ever seen somebody in those positions and three he yeah, did a great job of sitting on the hips if you notice oh, a yeah. lot of times it's like a leg drag yeah you sit on the hips you leg drag you sit there and what he did was is a lot of guys will try to like dope mount or sometimes take the back and they let pressure off the guy's legs what Nagabidov did such a phenomenal job of is he stayed on the hips essentially trapping Michael Johnson's legs together right mm -hmm. so now here's uh, Khabib on top of him and every time John and tried to build a base back up by posting and getting out he ripped that wrist down and just pelted him yeah. with punches that were not just he wasn't scoring points he was trying to punch him through the cage and i was so impressed with his ability to tie up the wrist on a guy who knows how to wrestle i mean you know, let's face it. Michael Johnson has Rashad Evans, one of his training partners, is a great wrestler. Yeah. on him, you know, all the time in the in, in the gym, and he completely shut down uh, Johnson's ability to just escape and move, and just his forward pressure and top pressure was uh, unbelievable. He just understood those positions and stayed there and didn't. And a lot of other guys that are more ground savvy, not more ground savvy, but other ground savvy individuals might have let pressure off and circled to Michael Johnson's back mm -hmm. or you know maybe circled in front and tried to go side control. But sitting on the hips the way he did is a position a lot of guys aren't taking advantage of. Uh, and he did a phenomenal, beautiful job of it. And and now, you know, after the fight calling out, you know, Conor McGregor, that fight I hope they make. I really think that's a very intriguing fight. But the one thing that I saw was a guy who's not quite as much of a striker as renowned as I, obviously Conor McGregor is, uh, had him hurt. You know, he caught yeah. him. Yeah. And you got to wonder, a guy's a little faster, throws a punch, is a little bit straighter, great reach. Uh, does Negabotov have that opportunity to recover and come back and take him down? Um, that fight, I think, is going to be a one-round fight. Either way, either you know, mm. either Connor is able to knock him out in the first ten to fifteen seconds with a straight left and have him hurt and finish him, or if you know, if Khabib takes him down, Connor is is toast. Uh, so it's it's it's. I think that's awesome matchup right now. As far as me as a fan going, yeah, this is going to be awesome. If these two square off, it's going to be who gets to do what they want to do. Because if, 
you know, if if Connor's able to land that straight left down the middle, like Michael Johnson was able to land, um, I think it's lights out for Khabib. If Khabib gets a hold of and, get, and and shoots in and gets on the legs, and even it could be the ugliest takedown in the world, he could pull guard for all I care. If he gets it to the ground, um, you know, Khabib is going to smash Connor. I don't think he survives two minutes before he, he starts tapping. I mean, you know, that that type of pressure and power, we've seen Connor welt when he's being damaged, and uh, you know, Michael Johnson did a phenomenal job of trying to survive it, but eventually just it was just too much. It was insurmountable. It was trying to hold up a you know a, a tsunami of yeah. uh, of of, of power and so um both guys i mean going into that fight it's 50 50 to me raises all kinds of interesting questions and how about credit to khabib Nurmagomedov in his post-fight interview for just full-on turning heel on the irish fans i mean the one thing you might think khabib Nurmagomedov is going to have to do to get that title shot not prove himself in the octagon but show the ufc brass that he can hold up his end of marketing a fight with Conor McGregor. I mean, he's, he, you know, he's not uh, he, uh, American. He's got an accent and a funny name and all the rest of that. But, boy, I think to me he showed through his ability. I mean, he probably wouldn't call this trash talking. But, I mean, calling uh, uh, you know, Conor McGregor their Irish chicken and he won't face me and, and uh, putting his stats out there in the interview with yeah. Joe Rogan. I mean, I was very impressed with his ability to, to make his case for that title shot wow. and get the Irish fans angry about it yeah i mean that would be a phenomenal fight to have overseas if connor's ever thought about having a fight in ireland if they do that fight they have to have it be khabib because you'll have all the russians travel there oh yeah and you're just going to have one hell of a war yeah and again you know i don't really see you can't make an argument that well once khabib grabs him like yes once he grabs him yeah but before he grabs him i mean Michael Johnson's not the same straight left hand that Connor has, yeah. and Khabib looked a little rocked. You know, I mean, he recovered yeah. phenomenally and, and and came back and just, you know, I, I don't know if Michael Johnson's like, I'm sorry, I hit you, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you stop now? Yeah, the fight, the fight. Did. <laughs> it's almost like hitting your big brother, and all of a sudden he's coming <laughs> after you, like, dude, dude, I messed up. I realize it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, I I think uh, there there's there's a strong case to make for uh, for that fight in 2017 and. And uh, we'll see what happens with Connor. I mean, how serious he is about, you know, wanting to, to maybe renegotiate a deal, get paid more, and he's got the kid coming and all the rest of that. I have a feeling that's going to be a big topic for uh, probably the first half of 2017 anyway, maybe leading up to that big annual 4th of July mid-year card uh, for the UFC here in Las Vegas. So here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to keep this a little uh, short because i got to do go do comedy tonight. Are, are, are you coming, Frank? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was getting ready to it's pass okay. out on the couch when you were. No, sitting. it's all right. It's all right. Because here's the thing. I, I got up at three thirty this morning to take a flight. Yeah, back home no, from- it's okay. <laughs> I, I invited Frank to, to to come out, and I'll, I'll bring you out a different night. The reason why I thought this would be a good one for you is, uh, you know, you've seen the comedy club inside the uh, Las Vegas Strip Casino. I mean, you've seen it done right, like they do at LA Comedy Club, and a nice place and a good sound system and all that. I was going to take you to a bar show in Boulder City tonight. Oh. This is one I got. You're driving all the way out to Boulder City? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely no. <laughs> <laughs> this is one I got uh, invited to be a part of uh, at the last minute. Uh, a very funny comedian named Manfred Hine, who was uh, working with me last night at uh, L.A. Comedy Club at the Stratosphere, uh, books the show and, and uh, kind of runs it and invited me to come out and do a little time. So I'm going to go out and do that uh, tonight. But one of these nights, you've got to see – 
what the no the next one as long as it's not something i yeah. just flew back with you know. no 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 it's like just to paint the picture for you though it's like you know fighting for the ufc uh, heavyweight title and then fighting on a smoker you know it's it's kind of like what are we doing here in a barnyard huh? <laughs> exactly exactly there's a lot of those out there so you know i should say i haven't been there yet i'm sure it's going to be a great show but it's not a uh it's anytime it's a bar show it can be a little uh a little unwieldy depending uh, so we'll see I'll, I'll bring you back a report on wednesday night's taping of um how it goes the other thing we're going to do on wednesday is really get into our thoughts on the election i know we haven't done that yet and there's so much to say i mean talk about historic well, upsets. We keep waiting a couple days and there's more and more to talk about. Well, that was my thought. We, it, it, Wednesday will basically mark the... Uh the the Wednesday midnight will will mark the one week anniversary. I think at that point we're going to know a lot of the cabinet positions that are made in the Trump administration, and uh, because of uh, travel schedules and then the phoneboothfighting.com relaunch and all that, we we haven't gotten to it yet. But we want to give it its due and uh, really kind of share all of our thoughts because we do have uh, a lot of thoughts, both of us, on uh, the historic events of this past Tuesday night. So we'll do that. Want to mention a couple of dates though. Uh, first of all. For all of our listeners in Paducah, Kentucky, Frank is going to be there on Sunday, that is November 20th, doing a seminar at the Atmosphere Martial Arts Academy located inside the Paducah Sports Complex. Uh, there's going to be two seminars, a 2 p.m. seminar for kids and then a 3.30 seminar for adults. If you're anywhere in the uh, Kentucky area and you want to be a part of this, go to atmosphermartialarts.com, and uh, there's still a few spots available well, if you want to train with Frank. And before that, though, I'm actually flying out on Saturday to do the uh, color commentating again for XFN. Oh, excellent. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. I'll be out there yeah. again on the Dale Cook show, and uh, yeah. so that's why I'm actually, you know— uh, Making a weekend of it. Yeah, well, I'll be out there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, yeah. calling those fights again, which are you know, great fights. And then yep. I'll be able to uh, that morning. I'm going to jump on a flight, go out to Kentucky, and, and go out there and uh, before I come home and, and meet some more people. Okay, so anybody in the Oklahoma, North Texas area, you get a chance to go see Frank call the uh, XFN fights. Have you ever been Tulsa. there? Talk about it. it is north. I mean, I think we're only about five miles north of the Texas state line. Oh yeah, yeah, it's very close. Yeah, there's. Uh, uh, I would go across that border all the time when I lived in Dallas. So yeah, okay. that's why I said North Texas because uh, that that would not be a far drive at all for people if you want to go see Frank commentate the XFN fights. Uh, and then I will be back on stage Sunday night uh, on the Las Vegas Strip at the LA Comedy Club inside the Stratosphere Hotel and Casino, my standing Sunday gig. And as I always say, if you are a listener to Phone Booth Fighting, uh, that's good enough for me to put you on our guest list. So if you'd like to be on the guest list, hit me up on social media and uh, I'll get you a plus one on that guest list Sunday night, 8 p.m., L.A. Comedy Club, my stand-up comedy on stage inside the stratosphere. All right, uh, phoneboothfighting.com, once again, the all-new phoneboothfighting.com. It's got all of our social media up there. It's got our online store where you can buy the official Phone Booth Fighting logo T-shirts and the autographed vintage fight-style posters. It's got our Amazon click-through banner on that. Please, when you're doing your shopping on Amazon, take the time to go to phoneboothfighting.com. Click on that Amazon banner. You can even just bookmark the page once you're on it. Do your shopping on Amazon. That way it will not cost you any extra money, but we do get a small percentage of a kickback for the referral. That will help us support the podcast. Frank. Tell them how to follow the show on social media. Well, as always, Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us on Phone Booth Fighting. And if you want to just check us out on Twitter or uh, Snapchat, it's Phone Booth Fight. Well done, sir. For 
Frank Mir. I am Richard Hunter, and we will be back with you midweek for another edition of Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu.